Okay, I want you to think about this in terms of yourself. Um, we do not want to be dualistic thinkers. We want to, dualistic thinking is uh, like a rigid belief system where you're saying, okay, oh, that person has done a bad thing. Oh, that is a bad person. Oh, that person has done a, a good thing. Oh, that is a good person. Uh, we can turn it on ourselves. Oh, I've done a bad thing. I'm a bad person. Or, oh, I've done a, a good thing. I'm the best person. Better than anyone. So that kind of dualistic thinking, people are either good or bad, uh, it, it, um, it boxes us into, it boxes us in, ourselves and others into categories. The truth is we're all, in, what we share is imperfection. You and everybody around you share the reality of imperfection. Only God is perfect. This can be a liberating, joyful thing to you, or it can be crushing if you've tried to be perfect your whole life. This is not a, an excuse not to do your best. And some people would say, but scripture tells us to be perfect as God is perfect. But as Father Dara points out, we are not going to become perfect like God through rigorous application of moral teachings or rigidity. We will become perfect like God through our love, how we love people. So now let's take that and go into marriage. Um, sometimes you have a good marriage self-esteem and sometimes you have a bad marriage self-esteem. Sometimes you think you have the best marriage in the whole world and you're so lucky. And then there are other times where you think, oh my gosh, this marriage is in trouble and I've done the wrong thing. You know, what was I thinking? And we have to negotiate both kinds of days uh, because we will have both if we are in a marriage to a human being. Um, we are supposed to fight our selfishness, not our spouse. And so we spend a lot of time fighting our spouses when we should be fighting against our selfish inclinations and our judgmental tendencies. There can be this thing called the compliance factor. It's a teaching that we do. The Cliff Notes version is as follows. Do we find ourselves scanning people for flaws? Like they're in an x-ray machine or an MRI. And we're scanning them for flaws. And when we find one, we can be like Pouncer, Pouncer, the Wonder Cat. Oh, I've found something you've done wrong there. I'd like to point that out to you. You have a flaw here. And I'd like to highlight it for you. And possibly for everyone around us. I mean, this is not Christ. And we can do this to ourselves. And we can pounce on ourselves. So if we want to think about marriage... If your marriage is in trouble, and there will be days when it is, when God's plan for your marriage is at risk through uh, being overtired, um, through an addiction, through the stress of financial problems, through disagreement on how we parent our children, these are we've come from two separate families. Marriage is actually like a miracle. We come from two separate families of origin. And then we enter this new thing. So you have a separate person, separate person, and then you have a third thing. 
And the third thing is the sacramental union, where God has hopes for the future of the church and the world. It's his union. And you will find a day where you say, God, I wish you the very best of luck with that union. I cannot help anymore. I'm just trying to protect myself here. <laughs> and that's a good way to think because you know what? God will take care of it. He's, God is a big boy. He can look after himself in the marriage as long as you're humble. If you have expectations of perfection, you will be disappointed. I wouldn't ask you to raise your hands if you're with your spouse, but how many here have had expectations disappointed in marriage? Everybody who's married. We get married and we think about what we're going to get from it. And this is how it goes. Oh, that'll be nice for me. Oh, I'll have some, someone to cook maybe or clean. I'll have someone to do stuff with. And oh, maybe someone who will have a child for me or with whom I'll have a child. And that person will be a perfect parent. And that's what I expect. I mean, you know, I'm not marrying you to be an imperfect parent. I want you to be the perfect parent. And um, we are stunned by each other's imperfections. And there are moments when the imperfection of man is stunning being male and female. So prepare to be stunned if you're married by your partner's imperfections. Um, and then uh, I would say that if you're married, you might love each other and be committed to each other. You might not always like each other. And we'll have to get past those moments to a, a better day where you do like the person more. And as a human being, it's my responsibility to say to myself, am I likable? Am I likable? Does my husband like me or dislike me because I'm likable or not likable? How am I behaving? How am I behaving? Um, how, is anyone here in the military? If you're in the military, this will be easy for you. When you're in the military, you're trained to do your job. And it's not complicated. They have expectations of you. You're going to get in there and you're going to do your job. Now imagine a soldier uh, going to the commander, the, the leader, the captain, and saying, I, I don't like him. He's really bugging me, that other soldier. I just, I've had it. I've had it. I don't want to work with him anymore. Now pretend we're at war. How's that going to go? Now, we are all at war. <laughs> trying to stay married <laughs> and there will be moments where the only thing you can do is your job when it gets really intense and really tough and you've got a whole list of complaints or beefs about the other person um, go back to basics what's your job because a commander a good commander would say to the soldier I don't care if you like him or not. I want you to do your part and let me handle the other guy. And God would say that in the marriage to each one of us. You can go into that chapel and you can give them a list of what your spouse is doing wrong. But he already knows. And so when the going gets tough, I would say, focus on your job and let God take care of the big picture. Like someone would say, well, my spouse drinks too much. Well, I think you're obliged to be honest with your spouse if you feel he drinks too much or she drinks too much. 
if it's impacting you or the family. And if your spouse comes to you and says, I think you drink too much, I think you're obliged to hear that. Because your spouse is quite close to you and they would have a perspective. How many here have had to hear something very, don't raise your hands, obviously, but every one of us has probably had to hear, see ourselves reflected back by our spouses in a way that wasn't flattering. And maybe it hurt us, maybe it shocked us, or maybe it stung. But we have to be open to letting our spouse be the prophet in our life. And if the spouse is being unkind about saying this thing, well, that's not reflecting God. But is there any merit to the challenge? So is this making sense? I want to be helpful. What we want to do most of all is insulate our, our sacraments um, so that uh, God can protect us and our children. Our babies want us together. And, you know, it's not hard to make children happy. All you got to do is be happy. That's all they want. If you tell your children that you're rich, they'll believe you. If you tell your children that you don't have enough, they'll believe you. So be very careful which messages you're sending to your children. I've seen poor people who acted, they were like they had everything in the world. And I've seen wealthy people who went around feeling impoverished. It's not about the number. It's not about the bank account. They're not going to know we're Christians by our summer houses. They're going to know we're Christians by our love for each other. If you're going around and you're saying, oh, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I go to Mass every day, blah, blah, and you're rude to your spouse, I don't buy it. Your witness isn't convincing me. If you go to Mass once a month and you're kind and loving to your spouse and congenial and you, you're not selfish and you offer up suffering, you're not a baby about it because we all suffer. There will be days of sorrow and days of such joy you're just surprised that you're experiencing it and still on earth. The marriage is going to include both. And you get to be there together for it. And that's a gift. But you have to treat it with reverence. You have to take care of the gift. It has to be your first priority in your life. First thing in contemplative prayer, the way we teach it, you're asking yourself, what, what is my vocation? Uh, your first obligation is not to your children. It's to your spouse. And if there's tension between mom and dad, how are the kids? They're tense. Does God want your kids tense? No. He wants you to deal with your stuff maturely with your spouse. He needs us to deal with ourselves maturely and to take those issues away from the children and at the very least come up with a way of going on until we can get to a better place. And maybe your way of going on through a difficult time is going to be, okay, nobody brings up the past. We're just not doing it. It's too hot right now. You know, this seems to be a hot button issue for us and we need a third person in the room when we talk about it. That's fair enough. Because you're imperfect and we've got imperfection squared when we have two people in one union, 
you might need help now and again. And that could be a priest, it could be a maybe a family member. Um, that's okay. I mean, like that's get the help if you need it. Because you're worth it to protect each other from each other. You know, you're you're like um it's important. What you do counts in your marriage. And God's not gonna ask you for a full report on your spouse's sins. He knows them. He's looking at your response. He's looking at your response to imperfect conditions. He's looking at your response. And the other thing I would say, there come, like, um, in terms of your marriage, let me ask you this. What are you working on today in your minds? Think about that. Okay, how am I going to be a better spouse from today forward? Ask yourself that question. Ask Jesus to send you an answer. What's one thing you can change to be a better spouse from today forward? We could be dead tomorrow. You don't have forever to do this work. We're not here forever. We're here for a short time. Okay, so think about what God wants you to change. And he'll help you to change it. If he brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. Now, um, here's another thing that we tend to do. We tend to scan the horizon for problems and complaints. We can become, the brain has a negative brain bias wired in to protect us, but it can be overused. And I thought during Lent this year, I thought, oh gosh, I'm really not in the mood for Lent. I'm not really in the mood for Lent, so what will I do with that? It is Lent, whether I'm in the mood or not. But I thought, well, I'm actually, it's okay, because uh, Lent is just a journey to resurrection. I'm just walking through Lent, going to this other place. So I thought, well, I'm only going to focus on resurrection this Lent. And I'm going to scan the horizon for signs of resurrection. And that will be more suitable for my mood right now. I needed to focus on what was great. And so that's what I did every day. And it really worked out for me. And I thought, this could be, I could be onto something. This could become a way of life. So scan your horizon and your spouse for what's going well and what is right about your spouse. How's it going good? Um, is everybody fed? Do we have a place to stay? Is there laughter? Did anyone laugh in the house at all today? That's a sign of resurrection. That's a great sign. And if you didn't hear anyone laughing, well then make someone laugh. Do something funny. Bring in some humor. And focus on what's going well, my friends. Life is too short to stare into what's negative. And we can think that we're being, you know, like prudence is a good thing, right? trying to protect ourselves and insulate ourselves. We recently had a situation with insurance that I, I really thought, well, this is kind of petty wampus. All we talk about is what could go wrong and how to insure against it. It was a downer. And I thought to myself, I think it's good to be prudent and prepared. But like, if all we're ever talking about is what could go wrong and how to prevent it, are we missing something? We're missing what's going right, generally speaking. People don't show up, slip on our ground, and sue us. 
It doesn't happen every day. You know, how much of the day should we give talking about it? You know, this kind of thing. You know what I'm saying. Focus on what God has given us all. Okay, so in terms of virtue, where do I need to improve? And I think maybe we need to improve in hope. And I think there's a lot of negativity about the future. And I don't think we should contribute to that. Focus on what's going well and what's going right. Um, okay, hold on. How is our time? Okay, let's see. One second. If you were at the beginning of your life, just for fun, just say you were 18 years old and someone said, okay, uh, you're going to go to college and you're going to meet someone, you're going to get married, you're going to have two little boys and two little girls and it's going to be good days and bad and you would have been like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. I can't believe I'm going to have children. What will they look like? What will my spouse be like? Now say this person was God telling you this from 18 years old. And you're going to have bad days. There'll be hard days sometimes and you'll struggle. You'd be saying, oh gosh, I hope I handle it well. I hope I do the most good I can do. I hope I'm so kind to my children. I hope I'm so loving to my spouse. I mean... Think about how lucky we are, how blessed we are to be living the lives that we live. Even with the sufferings and the struggles, we all have them. We all have the traumas. Everyone does. Sometimes we just think we're the only ones with the struggles, but we all are struggling on this side of heaven. Um, okay, one second. I would just give you this as a final t thing on marriage. Somebody asked me once, but how do I forgive my spouse? And I said, uh, well, you just have to realize that it wasn't personal. I mean, it feels personal. When someone slams their car into the back of you and rear ends you, um, it feels personal, doesn't it? You could get whiplash and you could be hurt. You're shocked and upset. Maybe your car's damaged. Did they choose? Did, was it a personal action? No. Did it affect you personally? Yes, it did, but it wasn't personal. A lot of times with our spouses, they're acting from their imperfection and wounds. And we take it really personally. And that makes it harder. And there's a time for you to say, look, I'm a separate person. My spouse is fighting his own battles. They don't all have to do with me. It's not always about me. Um, and if you can give yourself a little distance as a spouse, it's easier to um, forgive and uh, get past something and overlook it and not torture yourself. And we, we have to, when we say I forgive you, we need to move on. And then, you know, you go away and you fight that battle. You, you, go, you gave forgiveness. It's like say, um, it's like uh, you promised something. When you say I forgive you, it's like you're making a promise. And any battles that have to be fought after that should be done in the privacy of your soul. Don't torture anyone with the past. It's not helpful. And you don't want it done to you.